We are very blessed. The weather is amazing uh, this morning. We are starting now. So I do want to welcome all of you here. Go ahead and finish what you're doing. That's fine. We are going to get started. Uh, but it is an awesome day today. I know the weather report was that it was going to be exceptionally hot. And fortunately, God uh, has blessed us with a nice, cool breeze. So what a great day to have church and to be together. It is great to see everybody here in person. And for those of you that are at home, uh, we're so grateful that you're joining us today. So I'm Joe Collins, and I want to welcome you to See Me Church. We are... Uh, just grateful that we can come together and worship uh, with one another here in person and with you uh, at home online. Our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. We are a group of ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are, what your story, we're just glad you're here. Now, last week for our message, we heard from three different brothers in the fellowship who shared about their own personal one-on-ones -on -one with Jesus. Today, we're going to keep going with that uh, little part of our series, a little subset to our series, One-on-One -on -one with Jesus, and we're going to keep going with the theme of my one-on-one -on -one with Jesus, and today we're going to hear from our teen intern, Aaron Henderson, and he's going to share about his own personal one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. As always, the goal is to draw out something relevant for faith and life today. After Aaron's done, I'm going to come back up. I'll lead us in a time of communion, and then we'll be done, but first, let's go ahead and ask for God's blessing to be with us in prayer. Father, thank you so very much for this time to be together. Thank you for this blessing that it is to just be uh, in person and at home and worshiping uh, as one family. We are so grateful for the many gifts and kindnesses that you've given us. And today, just with the sun and the cool breeze is just another one of those incredible kindnesses that only come from you. We're so grateful, and I pray, God, for the message to speak to our hearts, help Aaron to really share from his heart and what Jesus has been telling him lately. And uh, we just look forward to a, a great fellowship afterwards. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, guys, I'm going to invite Aaron up. He's going to grab the mic, and then we're going to hear from Aaron Henderson. Got to get myself situated here. Okay, cool. Everybody hear me all right? Fantastic. Um, all right, great. So good morning. Hi, guys. Um, I'm just super, super fired up about this weather. I was a little bit antsy because I was like, man, it's about to be hot outside. I'm not trying to be standing out here like that. Uh, but amen. Glory to God. It's, it's beautiful outside today. Love it. Um, so uh, 20, 2020. Um, <laughs> has been something for sure. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, it, it, I, I just kind of like to sit back and, and think about just kind of where the year started off at, at least for me. So the year for me started off great. You know, it was awesome. Um, I, I, got, I got a new job, it's kind of my first like big boy job, right? Since, since graduating from, from college. And I was like, yeah, fired up about that. Um, I started dating uh, an awesome and amazing woman. Shout out to Melissa, who's watching, you know, uh, from back home. and. Uh, and you know, I was just like, man, this is, this is starting to go pretty good. I, I got to travel Europe a little bit early this year before it was, you know, a cesspool of viral infection and stuff. And it was nice. And so I was like, man, this, you know, this is pretty good. And then we kind of have this like curve and sharp nosedive into, you know, the dumpster fire that's been COVID summer so far. And, you know, it's times like this, especially where I'm, I'm sort of just kind of, I, I try to take a step back 
and I'll think like, man, like God, what are you trying to do? You know, like, what are you trying to show me or, cause, cause I know you may be trying to do something here. Right. Um, but I, it's, it's just, it's quite an interesting experience how that is. And, um, I, I love what, uh, I love what Logan was actually talking about, um, last week, just about being able to dive deeper into the story, dive deeper into scripture, into the, our Bibles. I think one of the things, at least for me with, with my one-on-one with Jesus and how that's been for me, especially this year, um, more than most, I think, is just the idea of really discovering the Bible um, and discovering the Bible as a story uh, and really taking joy in that and in the discovery of learning these new things um, and, and being able to discover the Bible as a story. And that's kind of what I want to I want to talk about um, and share a little bit with you guys this morning. Um, so with that, I just want to pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much uh, just for this amazing opportunity to be able to come together, God, even um, even in times such as these, um, the just the ability to, to meet social distance, God, but still just to be among one another. Um, I want to thank you just for the beautiful weather that we have outside today. Um, God, I just want to uh, I pray that we can really start to take joy in, in discovering more about you, God, to be able to learn more about you and uh, and to really uh, just just to take to heart about the things that, that we're able to to unearth about your story, God, about your word. God, I just want to pray that you be with the rest of the service today. As we pray, amen. So as I'm, you know, really starting to dig into this, this element of discovering the Bible, you know, and really discovering as, as, as God's story. Um, one of the things I think that has challenged me the most uh, that I feel like God has really been challenging me a lot is, um, is, how, I, is how I just view the Bible as a whole. Um, and so that brings me to my, to, to my first point, which is viewing the Bible as a story. And, um, and, and so at least, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I think a lot of the time I actually end up viewing the Bible uh, with a different method, not so much through a story method, but um, what Dr. Scott McKnight, he calls it the return and retrieve method. And so, you know, like, what, well, what does that mean? I'm about to tell you. The return and retrieve method is going back to the scripture to take away something that I can make applicable to my life today. And that's how we kind of view the Bible as. Now, I think that this is actually a really great tool and a skill even to practice and to use when we're approaching the story of the Bible, right? And how we, how we view the Bible is like, okay, like what, what can I go back? What can I return to the scripture to do? And then how can I bring that with me? But I think this kind of breaks down into kind of two different schools of thought that can sometimes start to give us a little bit of a problem with this view. Um, at least uh, I, this is something that I've seen. So kind of part number one is your return to haul it all. There's going back to the Bible. And we're like, okay, I just got to take everything that's in here. I got to take all of it. I'm going to bring it with me over here in my life. And that's just what I got to do. Right. And so that might seem a little bit intense, but I think we do this a lot more often than we actually realize. We have this idea of that. I don't know how many of you guys have, have heard of sort of the acronym for, for Bible, um, like basic instructions before leaving Earth. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Some of you guys already had you heard that. And so, I mean, I was even kind of introduced to this idea of the Bible, of, of what it was and viewing the Bible in this way when I was starting to really learn about it. And I think it's incredibly useful at the time when you're really trying to just like grasp what the heck is this whole entire thing about? And, you know, what is, what am I trying to do? Like, where do I fit into this? But I think when we actually end up leaving the Bible here, 
we end up missing out so much on the entire story of the Bible. When we only return to retrieve what it is, like we just try to go back and we just try to take everything with us. And we go like, man, I just got to, I got to follow this as like a manual. I just go back. I look at what it is that I need to do. All 630 some odd commandments that are in the Bible. And as long as I just do all those, if I take all these back with me and I just get them all done before I die, like I'll be good. I'm grooving. And I think when we kind of camp out of this view and we don't really dive deeper in, into how we view the Bible and we don't really view it so much more as a story, we end up losing a lot of the Bible through this. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. This is Paul. He's speaking to the church in Corinth. He says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21. To those have not, having not the law, I became one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by, so by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. So here we have Paul as he's talking about this and he's talking about this cause this sort of adherence to the law. Right. And he's talking about, Hey, you, these are, these are these people that are trying to go back to the Bible and they're just trying to, they, I think they really have actually good hearts. They're just trying to do what it says. Right. And we kind of, we kind of make this mantra, this lifestyle. The Bible says it, I do it. And like, that's, that's, you know, the, our driving force of how we approach the Bible. And while I think it's really great as a foundation and a principle, when we end up stopping there, we miss a lot of the story. And so we have Paul here. I think he views the Bible more of a story. And he's saying, man, I'm going to, I got to do what I got to do to get this story to as many people as possible. I'm going to choose to tell this story to these people in this way and choose maybe to tell this story to these people in this way, because I want to continue to live it out. There's a lot in here. And what we do is when we start to view the Bible as a story, we realize how big it is. It's really big. There's a lot in there. It actually becomes impossible for us to just take all of it and haul it all back with us and try to fit it in our story. And I think that's what we actually, what we end up doing. Instead of entering God's story, we just try to take his story and we just try to fit it into our life as where, where, where it's going to fit us the best. And we actually don't end up taking all of it. Like we, we think that we're hauling it all, but we actually just, what we actually end up doing is we just choose the bits and pieces that we like that fit the most that maybe correspond to maybe the traditions that we have or that correspond to how we first started out learning the Bible and learning the scripture. And so we go like, okay, well, I've got all that I need for me to fit into my story. And I think that's good enough for me and I can work with that. And so when we forget that God chooses imperfect people with imperfect relationships and imperfect circumstances as the driving force to make his story and to tell it, uh, we lose out on a lot of the Bible that way. I think we end up suffocating God's story. We kind of throttle it in our view. 
And so when we try to live that out, we end up suffocating our faith. We have to end up suffocating other people when, when we try to share the story with them. And they're like, look at all this, look at all this stuff that you're going to have to just read and then just take with you. And then you'll be good. I don't know about you, but if I encountered that story, I would have been like, nah, man, I'm good. Like that's, it's a hard pass for me. And we see that today, don't we? School of thought number two when it comes to this, we return to the Bible to salvage what we can. And so it's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. But what we end up doing when we return to salvage is we retrieve only what we can salvage in our day and our time and in our culture. Again, this is actually a really good and useful tool. We need to know how the Bible is going to be applicable for us today. I don't sacrifice live animals in order to, you know, to be right with God. I don't have to do that. Right. So there's like, what, what am I, what am I taking away from this sort of stuff? Um, in the way that I can use it in the proper context of this culture today. Starts off really great. But when we leave it there, what ends up happening is what we take from the Bible ends up being determined by what the culture dictates. And so the value of what the Bible has only has value when it corresponds to what it is that we're going through right now. We see this incredibly heavily, I think. And, and I've, I've seen myself do this a lot, where we, we take things that are actually in the Bible and, and that are incredibly crucial to the story of the Bible, like equality, justice, buzzwords like freedom. But what we do is we, we take culture's principles and standards of those words, and then we go back to the Bible and just try to salvage what we can in order to fit the current culture of the day. We end up actually doing the same thing. We throttle the Bible. Dr. Scott McKnight, um, his bird, the blue parakeet, he's the theological professor. He has this to say about it. He says, the danger in retrieving the essence is that there can be too little adoption or not enough faithfulness and consistency in the Bible itself. When we start salvaging parts of the Bible, we start judging the scripture. We start judging the Bible. We start judging God. We start judging the church based off of what they should do in correspondence to the culture that we're in right now. I don't think we should just be ignoring the world that happens around us, right? We understand that we need to be adapting and, and, and understanding the story and how to be able to live it out in our time today, as Paul does. But Paul also says, hey, but I'm still under the law of God, though. Like, I don't let these type of principles and things dictate what I am going to take away from the Bible. I know that I can't necessarily take all of it, but I realize the power that Scripture has. And and how he views the Bible, because I think Paul started to view the Bible as a story, coming from being a Pharisee who was very much like, hey, these are the stuff that you need to do. You guys aren't, so much so that you guys need to die because of it. And I think a lot of that stuff sort of changes. Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so when we have this idea of going back, and our view of the Bible is just to return and to salvage some of the stuff that we can get from it, we end up like really undercutting a lot of the power that it has. Like sometimes we think we just need to like help the Bible. We need to like take the stuff that's in there and be like, all right, well, how do I twist this in a way? And like, what can I just salvage from this ancient people culture that can just be somewhat applicable to people today? But in reality, like the gospel is capable and, and even designed 
to strike home in every culture and every time for, for, for everyone, of every people group, of every race, you know? And, and, and so it, it's funny, like, the, I don't think the Bible actually needs our help in that regard. Like, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think you do just that by itself. And so when we start to just salvage things from the Bible and then taking away like, ah, well, you know, like what, what does it really say and how can I really make it mean something to me? We, we do the same thing. We, we view the Bible and we end up undercutting a lot of the story of the Bible, the whole entire thing. And it kind of brings me over to point two, which is reading the Bible as a story. And this, I think, has probably been one of the most impactful things for me is like I've been having this one-on-one with Jesus, figuring out what it means to start reading the Bible as a story. I think a lot of times when I start reading the Bible, one, it's real like it's hard to read the Bible for me sometimes. Like I and I consider myself to be somewhat of a reader. Like I actually kind of enjoy reading, which I know some of you guys are like gagging at, but like there, there's definitely parts of where I'm like, yeah, like I, I kind of like reading the Bible, but sometimes this is tough. Like it is dry. Like I finished reading the whole entire Bible, like, you know, um, from from beginning to end. Like I kind of did one of those like read the Bible in a year. I finished it at, like towards the middle of last year. I remember there were definitely some parts where, especially in the beginning, where you're like going through Leviticus and it's just rough, you know, like it is a rough time. And so for me, it's like when I don't view the Bible as a story and when I don't read the Bible as a whole story, certain sections and chunks of the Bible, they don't really do it for me. So sometimes I kind of just like to skip those. And I think that maybe I can just kind of sort of get the context and things that I need I don't know if you guys have ever done that. Like I do this a lot with movies. I feel as like, I'll see a trailer to a movie and like, I'm kind of like, I like to think myself as sort of a movie, buff. I really like to kind of like, you know, dive and discover things about movies and kind of get the nitty gritty and things like that. Um, but sometimes like I'll, I'll see a trailer for a movie. Right. And I'll be like, yeah, I pretty much got the gist of it. Like, you know, kind of the basic plot structure. I'm familiar with even some of maybe the characters or something like that. Um, maybe got some like quotable lines from the trailer. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And then we have some friends that have seen the movie. Like I still haven't seen it yet at this point, right? I haven't seen it, but I'll be like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, they're telling me a little bit about it and they're like, yeah, there's this part and this stuff and this happens. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So in my mind, I'm piecing together this whole entire narrative. Then I maybe even start to engage in conversations about this movie, mind you, that I still have not actually seen yet. But I'm just all like, yeah, dude, and it's pretty wild. And like these camera angles and stuff that I've only seen from the trailer. And I'm just like, man, just be like really, really good. And so you have this whole entire time and you start to develop like pretty strong feelings and opinions about a thing that I still have not actually even seen in its entirety. And I think sometimes I, I, what I do, I don't know about you guys, but I actually end up doing this to the Bible too when I read it. And I'm just like, okay, I kind of got, these are the certain, you know, characters that maybe you even grown up with and things like that. Maybe it's like, you know, uh, like, like maybe one of the Marvel movies. I don't know if everybody here has like seen some of the Marvel movies. There's a lot of them. Right. And they're all like coincide together to culminate into this like amazing finale. Right. Because it's a whole story. But and, you know, I'm not trying to call anybody out here, but some of us have only seen Endgame. <laughs> and we're like, man, this movie is awesome. It's great. I love what they did. It's amazing storytelling. Got my favorite characters in them. It's awesome. And I think that we can be that way with the Bible. We can kind of come towards the end or certain parts that we kind of like. And I think it can still actually speak to us. And it still has the power to do things and to move. And that's great. But when we don't read it as a story, as its whole entirety, we miss out on so much of like the story of God's people, of what he's trying to do. There's some wild stuff in there. Bible is crazy. And, uh, and I think we kind of end up being like this. We kind of have a, uh, we, we come up with like a superhero 
movie ideology of how we read the Bible and how we, how we read scripture. And you just come into like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's certain parts and references that but I don't want to have to go back all the way. And like Iron Man 1 was in 2008. I don't have to go watch that all the way back to try to get like where they started from these things. And then like, there's these other characters. Some characters switched actors. So I'm like, ah, like, yeah, whatever. Like, I just kind of skip to the end, get all the good stuff. Like, how does it all end, the culmination? Like, I still get, you know, there's good guys and bad guys. There's certain things like that. And we kind of view the Bible in the same way. It's like, man, I, kind of, I know about David and Goliath. I know about, like, Jonah. And, like, there was a fish. And, like, there was, you know, some other stuff in there. But, like, contextually, what all those things are, we miss so much of it. Like, I remember, like, really just diving into the story of even just, like, Jonah. And, like, I have a VeggieTales education of Jonah. So I thought that I was like, yeah, I got it. And I was like, I dive into the scripture. And when I start to actually read it, I'm like, Jonah's an awful person. <laughs> he's like, he's a jerk. <laughs> and like, that's kind of the point, right? And so a lot of times we just are like, man, look at all these great heroes and, and all these cool things in the Bible. And we start to pick these little different bits and pieces and they, they drastically start to shape our view of the Bible. And when we don't read it all together as a story, we miss a ton of stuff. And I think that, um, you know, especially for me, growing up in a church, right, and how I read the Bible, a lot of the times I end up reading the Bible through the tradition that I've known it as. Every time that we go through something, you, there's one thing you always bring into situation is, and that's you, <laughs> all the things that you know and the different pretenses that you have, whether you kind of see them or not, whether you realize that. And so for me, it was like, okay, I've got to understand if I'm really going to read the Bible as a story, I've got to be able to read it not necessarily through my knowledge and my tradition of scripture and the Bible, but just with it. Like, how can I not read the Bible through tradition, but how can I read the Bible with tradition, right? It's not that I'm just going to, like, I get some new teaching and then I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that, which means it invalidates all the other stuff that I knew before, because that's not the case. We're not just going to throw everything out. I think sometimes that fear is what makes us resistant to change. We all like, well, what about all the stuff that I knew before? And I'm like, yeah, that's still there. <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> right? But when we kind of have this tunnel vision of you and we're just going through the tradition, we, we, we still end up missing a lot of parts of the story. Acts 17, we're jumping around a lot in the Bible today, because we got to read it. Yeah. Acts 17, verse 11, says this, Now the Bereans were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if these teachings were true. As a result, many of them believed along with quite a few prominent Greek women and men. God is inviting us to read the scripture. And I think there's this, there's this thing, it's he, he wants us to be able to, to approach it with eagerness, right? There's this joy and that we can have of discovering something new. And just because we discover something new does not always mean that the thing that we discover, we're going to be super jazzed about. Because I think when we actually start to read the Bible, when we read scripture as a story, then we actually start to maybe identify with some of the things, some of these characters, some of the, some of the places, you know, the setting, the context, some of the biblical language that's being used. And we can think, oh, shoot. This is starting to maybe reveal a few things that I'm not necessarily a fan of. Or maybe I might actually have to change how I'm living my life. In which case, I don't want to read the Bible anymore. <laughs> I like the old version of the Bible. <laughs> or I could just kind of be like, yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of jives with how I'm doing things in my life. 
because we were only reading the little bits and pieces of it. I love this because, you know, the Bereans, they fact-checked. They liked getting into the Bible. And there was some stuff that they probably had some disagreements on. And they were like, well, I don't really know about this. And, like, this is where the story's going. But then, like, the, but then there's this thing. And, like, I've kind of viewed the Bible sometimes as a lot of if-then statements where it's all like, well, if you do this, then that happens. And if you do this, and you have that happens. But then what happens is we get, uh, when we read, you know, when we read the Bible as a story, we get a lot of buts. So it's like, like, well, if you do this, and then this happens, but this could also happen, or maybe it won't, but then maybe it could. And so it's like, oh, well, well what do I do? Like, I just want to be right when I read scripture. And so when we read the Bible as a story, that, that's, not, that's not what it tells us to do. I love how they dig, and they actually go back, and they reference a lot of the things, you know, they, they go back and read the references. Jesus knew his Bible. He knew the story. He knew how to draw back and, and understand how these things were connecting together. We can't create a theology out of footnotes where it's just like, oh, yeah, they referenced the thing in, in the margins of my Bible that says another scripture, but it's like it's one of those Leviticus scriptures, and I don't know. I'll trust it. Jesus knows his Bible, so I trust Jesus. I know my Bible too. But no, he encourages us to dive into reading scripture on our own. You're like, all right, Aaron, that sounds great. And I want to be able to read the story of the Bible. I want to be able to read the Bible as a unified story. But I don't like reading. It's really, really difficult for me. And that might be the case. But I think that there's a way when we start to view the Bible as a story and understand it, I think we owe it to ourselves to actually go back and read it. We owe it to people that have gone before us, that have given us the ability to just read the Bible. I think about, you know, William Tyndale. Those of you who aren't familiar, William Tyndale is responsible for about, scholars argue, maybe about 70 to 80% of the King James Version of the Bible, which is one of the first attempts of translating the Bible into English. And at the time, this was illegal. Like, was, if he was, he was translating the Bible into English and trying to smuggle it into other countries just so people could read the scriptures for themselves in their homes in a world where not a lot of people could even read. So it's like, man, I don't even know how much good this is going to do. But still he understood the value of reading the Bible as a story and understanding this is how we're going to be able to live it out so much so that he was arrested and strangled to death by the government because of that one that actually claimed to be of God, right? It was the Church of England at the time. Other people like John Wyndon, a really good friend of Tyndale, actually, who was burned at the stake because he was voicing too many public ideologies of the Bible being in English. He was actually smuggling these translations of the Bible to people so they can read the scriptures for themselves. So a lot of times I can think, well, man, I don't really know if I can read the Bible that much. But I, when we read the Bible story, I think you owe it to yourself. It's beautiful. There's so many things in there. And I think a lot of other people besides me saw the value of that. And I think it could be difficult for maybe in my time and my day to understand some of those bits and pieces. But when I start to read the whole entire Bible as a story and I see all of the nuance and, and how these authors are, are riffing off of each other and all you know the different types of language and how the Bible is written, how it comes together over these culminations of hundreds of years, it all fits together. I'm like, man, that's... For me, like, that's a story that like, I, I think I owe my, to myself that I just have to read it. 
luckily for us, you know, we, we live in a culture today where you can listen to the Bible. You can read the Bible with someone. We don't hold each other accountable to what it is you guys are learning and trying to understand. Find mentorship, someone who actually is a reader that loves to nerd out and do stuff like that. I'm really grateful for a lot of those types of relationships that I have. You know, Clay Taylor is definitely one of them. We just love to like, he's, we just nerd about the Bible. And there's definitely times where I'm like, man, I'm finding it really hard to read the story. He's like, dude, you would not believe what I just found out yesterday when I was reading the story of the Bible. It's wild. I'm like, all right, let's get into it. And there's incredible value when it comes to really being able to read the Bible as a story. And sometimes I think what happens is when we don't see that value. We, we find the Bible to be boring, right? When we actually try to read it, and like, oh, this is a struggle. But I mean, when you actually start reading the Bible as a unified story all together and how it culminates together, there's a lot of different things in the Bible. And these are personally things that I, I'm so passionate about because I find these absolutely fascinating because it is not how I read the Bible growing up. The Bible's got tons of poetry in there, if that's your jam. It's just got straight up narrative if you just like to read interesting stories. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of culture that's inside of it. You can learn how ancient you know mesopotamian cultures did farming if you really actually want to read the bible it's got kind of like you know the supernatural elements to it there's heroes and there's triumphs and things like that there's violence wars military tactics and strategies there's a whole entire book of just erotic love poetry like if you're just like what's that about like why is that inside of the scripture how does that fit inside of the story there's political coups with like left-handed assassins and like they're graphic like they're like people are getting disemboweled and like thrown against rocks and like dying and all of this is part of like god's story so you like jump into these little bits and pieces and you're like whoa like What's the story about? Like, there's a whole bunch of weird and wild stuff that's in here. There's talking animals and stuff. There's, there are so many sex scandals in the Bible. It is ridiculous. Like House of Cards is tame compared to the Bible. There's so much stuff in here. And when we like, and sometimes we just like skip a lot of those things. We're like, oh, like, oh whatever. And we just kind of stick to, you know, the kind of the little bits and pieces that we enjoy. And there's tons of stuff that's in the Bible. That it, I mean, it's all the way from everything from, spiritual beings to how to manage your finances. So for me, I, I just don't think anymore now that like I can say that the Bible is boring, right? It's like going back to that Marvel movie. If those of you who have seen all of the other Marvel movies leading up to Endgame, it's a completely different experience when you watch the end of that movie. You're like, whoa, this is how it all comes together. And like these movies are tied into this one. And there's these little tiny Easter eggs and things that happen. I don't know if you guys, I, I loved those movies as they were starting to come out. And so we always started, try, or started to stay at the end of them because like after the credits roll and there's that little like 10 second clip of basically nothing, but you were like, yo, what am I going to find? Like, how is this going to tie into the next story that's about to happen? And you were willing to sit through the credits, right? Because as the movies progressed and technology progressed and the movies got more impressive, the people that worked on them also, that list got longer. The credits were longer. So it's like, man, I'm literally just staring here at just words. I'm staring at Leviticus, just rows. <laughs> and I'm like, how is this going to tie into this story? But I like didn't even care because I was, I was like so ready to just discover this, like more of the story as I was reading. I was, I was ready to sit through it and just be like, man, even if it's just for a little clip of like, Seven seconds. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what happened. But I'm still fired up about it. I think we need to be this way about reading scripture about the Bible. Fired up about just discovering new things, finding things. Sometimes it's stuff that we don't understand. And sometimes it ends up being more questions than actual answers. 
But when we view the Bible as a story, maybe that's not always what we're looking for. And I think this kind of ties into to, to what I believe is, is the best part about discovering the Bible as a story. Last point here, living the Bible as a story. John chapter 14, verse 11, we'll go to 13. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, believe me when I say that I am, the fa- that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So here I think, as, as I was beginning to start to read the Bible, when I, when I first take a stab in reading the scripture, when he talks about these works, I'm like, well, Jesus has been with these guys for three years, and he's just been doing some wild stuff, like turning our wine, raising people from the dead, basically just like ticking off every single government official that you can think of, the religious leaders of the day. Like, there's some crazy things. And I can think of maybe all the miracles and stuff like that as the works that Jesus is referring to. But as I really start to view the Bible as a story, and I start to read the Bible as a story, It makes me approach the scripture a little bit differently as to how I should live it out. And so maybe not so much of the actual miracles in the works, but I think it's because Jesus saw the story. And he said, these works are me living out the story. This is how you do it. So he says, just just trust in the story. And if you just live out this narrative that God has, just like I have, if you do the works that I've been doing, if you're living out the story, things are going to go pretty good. Because if you're living out the story and you're doing things in my name, that's glorifying to the Father. So I'm, I'm going to help you out. I think this can definitely be, at least for me, it's proven to be a lot recently. One of the hardest things to do is, is for me to get so fired up about discovering all these things. And I'm like, wow, this view is like different. And, and I love it. And I'm learning so many things through how I read. Then it's like, all right, cool. Now come with me and do it. That's what Jesus does, how he invites us into being able to hop into the story. We have a place in it. You know, we like to say every Sunday, the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus, but it leads to Jesus. It doesn't just end there. There's more that happens afterwards, which is where we come in. And so when we are living out the Bible as a story, that can be pretty difficult sometimes because it takes us out of our own story and our own narrative, how we like to do things, and how we like to see the world. You know, I think God had a role for Jesus in the story. And Jesus was talking to them because he knew at this point, in this time, at that part of the story, his role in that way was ending. But he said, but hey, this is what we're going to, the story continues, right? The story actually keeps going. To draw from the wisdom of a late 20... 21st century activist and poet, um, his name is Hermaeus Asgadum, more commonly known to his contemporaries as Nipsey Hussle. But he says this, the marathon continues. I think the story of the Bible is very similar. The story still continues. 
even after we kind of close the last page. It's very interesting. The Bible lays out this kind of own story. And it even actually, it, it does some of the hard work for you. It even tells you how it ends. You read the end of the Bible. They're like, this is what's going to happen, right? But there's still a chunk of the story that's left, though. And that's where, that's where you guys come in. And I think that can be really difficult for us to really sit with. Because there's a lot of questions that we have when it comes to really trying to live out the story of the Bible. But I think it's just really that, that heart of, the, of, dis, of discovering and that love, that joy that we have of finding out how we can do that and what it entails. And I think that can be really difficult for us sometimes. Because sometimes we end up finding things and living it out is not as easy as it seems. But part of discovering scripture is being able to live it out and to be part of it, to enter into it, which means that we can't take the Bible and just fit it into our story. That's just not, that's not how it works anymore. It can't be done. We have to be able to surrender those things so that like, how, how can I get my story to align with God's? Well, it'll do that if I'm inside of it and if I'm living it out, if I'm doing the works that Jesus has commanded us to do. I think what this has shown me, especially now more than ever, is it's shown me that if we're going to discover the Bible as a story, being able to view it, read it, to live it out, it really forces me to slow down. It, it forces me to be patient, not only with the scriptures, but with other people and with myself. Because when we view the Bible as a story, we realize how big it is. There's a lot to be lived out. There's a lot of people that are inside of it. And so each person living out their part of the story is going to look different. And so then it becomes less of, hey, what do I need to go back and take with me to see how I can be right and what fits? Or I don't know, like what, what does our cultural context now say about the Bible? But it's more so about how can I just live out the story of the Bible? How can I share that story with other people? How can I do the same thing that Jesus did to me? How can I invite people to live out the story in that way? And it's the way that God intended us to do. I think that's different, our way of thinking. When we ask things, when we come with questions, and Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story about these two guys that were at a temple. And we're like, dude. But that's how he chooses to share with us is through story. And I think there's incredible value to that. And it's something that I've, I've, I've wrestled with a lot, especially this year, as being able to like, man, I've got a lot of feelings and opinions about this movie or about the world, especially right now. But understanding like, man, this story has imperfect and flawed people just like myself in imperfect and flawed circumstances like the ones that I'm in. And yet God still chooses to carry out his story through these type of people. And so for me, the story is big enough to fit some of those. And it might have to, I might have to rework how I read and how I view and how I live out the scripture if it's going to fit in line with that. Some stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, man, I think, I think the story of the Bible is big enough to fit some of that in there. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or that's what I'm going to do in my story. Maybe that's not how I'm called to live out the story. But for for, for others and how they do it, yeah, maybe it might not. It's it's, might, it's uncomfortable for me, you know. But I think it's part of growing in that way, and that's why I encourage us to do, especially as we leave here today, as we're thinking about like, man, how can I live out 
the story of the Bible? What joy can I get from discovering some of these new things, these really challenging things? How can I wrestle with some of this stuff? And there's no rush to do so. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And God knows that this is something that you're going to have to work at. He's like, I'm going to give you this. You guys are going to talk about it forever. <laughs> 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this book. Still talking about this story. I don't think there's any other story that I've read that's the same thing. Or I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I read that book in, like, ninth grade. It's probably a good story, but, like, okay. That's what I got to... It's one of the things I'm really trying to work on right now. And I think that's my one-on-one with Jesus has been, I'm like, man, like, how do I discover more in the Bible? How do I take joy in that discovery, even when it means discovering some things that I don't necessarily like? But it's, ah, it's that joy with wrestling and understanding the nuance and the beauty of the Bible. You don't have to be a theologian or a Hebrew Bible scholar in order to do that. So this is for everybody. I invite all these people for that. And I love that. So as we close out today, be thinking about like how, how can I further discover the story of the Bible? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you so much for your story, God, for your word. Being able to give us this amazing opportunity to enter into the story ourselves, God, we know that we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But God, you've created such a beautiful story for us to be a part of. God, I know sometimes it can be difficult as we, as we discover new things about you, God. We discover things about ourselves, about one another, about how we read, about how we view the world, about how we live. God, I pray for the patience to be able to discover some of these things, God. The patience with the scriptures, to be able to sit, to talk about them, to wrestle with them. God, patience with others. And as they're going through their journey of understanding your story, God, and where it is that they fit in this story and how it is that they're going to fit into your story, God. Pray that you can be patient with ourselves as we're just trying to figure out what it really means for us personally to have this relationship with you, God, to, to enter into this beautiful story that you've made for us. God, I pray that we can definitely just find a joy in your word, a comfort that it brings, God, especially during times like these, that we can take this time to really enrich ourselves with an amazing story. God, I love you so much for this opportunity that you've given us. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I love all those things I